sisters, listen closely. Finding out he's the one can sometimes feel like traveling through a desert of uncertainty. I mean, every time you feel like you've reached an oasis, it ends up being a mirage. As your resident sister and friend, here are five common red flags that you need to steer clear away from. First up, if he's asking for your phone number straight off the bat, but not your dad's, well, that's a major red flag waving in your face. Next, if he's hitting you up with texts and calls late at night, you better believe he's not serious and chances are he won't respect your boundaries. Watch out for those put down disguised as sarcastic banters. You know, the ones that make you the butt of the joke. It's time to show him the door. And oh, if he's more interested in hearing himself talk than listening to what you have to say, girl, that's a sign you need to run in the opposite direction. And let's not forget the classic line, my ex was crazy. Yeah, right. If he's mouth-mouthing his ex left and right, chances are he's the one with the issues. And those are just the obvious red flags. Let's help you uncover what's really hiding underneath the surface with Vibe Check, the ultimate prompt card game for meaningful connections. Crafted with deep respect for Islamic traditions, Vitech goes beyond the surface, allowing you to discover the essence of your potential life partner's faith, character, and aspirations. With eight thoughtfully crafted categories and 135 thought-provoking questions, Vitech ensures a comprehensive understanding of your potential spouse, from values and ambitions to personal quirks and preferences. I mean, skip the surface-level discussions and dive straight into what truly matters. Visit our website, www.thedigitalstory.com now and take the first step towards finding your righteous partner. Your journey to marital bliss begins here. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It is your girl, Kads, Adar, and you're listening to The Digital Sisterhood podcast. Happy New Year, my Digital Sisterhood family. It is the Islamic New Year. We are in year 1443. So you know what that means, right? New Year, new me. (laughs) And what better way to start the new year than this guest I have for you? So this year has kind of been a whirlwind for me. Because this year is the year that not only did I graduate university, finally, but I also started the Digital Sisterhood and the Digital Sisterhood community here. We got all cozy and, you know, warmed up close to each other. But um, I also had a lot of, like, tough tough moments, you know, because obviously the pandemic made us hella alone, hella lonely. Sagra hours, multiple Sagra hours this year. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, alhamdulillah, we got, I got through it. And so... I'm super excited about this new year and this new kind of like fresh start because we're not doing that no more. We're not we're not we're not just celebrating the regular new year. We're celebrating Islamic new year. Okay, that's the new tone this year. You guys, we're getting good with God. You know what I'm saying? Get right with God. So um, some of my goals this year is just to be a little bit more mindful. I've kind of started journaling. Um, I'm not gonna lie. At the start of my journal experience, it's kind of a bit corny journaling is a little awkward in the beginning because it's like why am I talking to myself and writing but it's kind of it's kind of been going really well 
So I want to start, you know, journaling. I want us to I want to start getting right with money. I, you know, now that like I started a like a, a, a platform but also a startup, I kind of want to be motivated, bro. Like I want to feel confident. I want to like take all of the opportunities that inshallah are going to come this year with like this sense of like like authenticity and realness and confidence. Like I'm extremely motivated to kind of like figure my stuff out and and it really just starts with you. Everything begins with you and it begins with your mindset. Asia interviewing Asia this episode was really great and it works perfectly for this this episode given the Islamic New Year because she's really a motivational speaker because I left the studio hella motivated, hella motivated. So okay, okay, I'm feeling like a CEO, boss, boss girl, boss, all that. I was like, I even came home. My dad's like, what? Why are you? What, what is all this attitude? I said, Abba, I'm taking ring of my life. He said, Who did you talk to? <laughs> Who did you talk to? And I said, I talked to somebody that knows something. You know what I'm saying? So I see that girl. You know, you have just a five minute conversation, and all of a sudden you feel like you can conquer the world. And you kind of need that kind of people around you to tell you, hey, listen, everything that you want to do is absolutely achievable. It just begins, as she says it so eloquently, mindset. So I'm really excited to introduce this guest, my sensei, okay, my sensei, my like motivator, Asia. Well, my name is Asia. I am 25 years old, born and raised here in Minnesota. I was born in Rochester, Minnesota, and now I live in the Twin Cities. I am a business coach. Um, I'm founder and CEO of Premier Starter. Um, and yeah, I am a mental health advocate. I love philanthropy work. I, um, you know, the work that I do is helping minorities and just young adults, period, on um financial stability when it comes to foundation, when it comes to personal credit, business credit, and just setting up their um, foundation of their business period because there is a huge gap in um, Black-owned businesses, just minority business owners, and like, you know, uh, and keeping up with their business. So just working on that and making sure that not eight out of 10 people are losing out on things because eight out of 10 Black-owned businesses actually close in the first 18 months. So yeah, just making sure that I, I'm closing up that gap. And that's my main goal. So that's a little bit about me. <laughs> that's incredible. So my question to you is, out of curiosity, how did you get into this? <laughs> like, how did you yeah. How did you find yourself here doing that? You know, so I think the biggest thing for me was that growing up, we just never had financial literacy in our homes. Like, especially in my home. Like, my parents, all they cared about was providing for us, taking care of us, giving us food, you know, give, basically like sheltering us and giving us the shelter. But when it came to like the core things, um, when it comes to like being financially literate, I didn't know anything until I was like out of high school in the beginning, beginnings of college when I actually suffered and with my own personal issues with identity theft. And it was that was the craziest part for me because school didn't teach me nothing when it came to like credit or anything like that. Um, but then again, I didn't have it in my home. I was working in the mental health field for a long time. And what I realized was that my financial situation was affecting my mental health and it had nothing to do with money, but it had everything to do with understanding everything that came with the relationship I was having with it. But then I also realized that 
that's what's affecting a lot of people. You know, credit in America, especially here, it stops people from doing a lot of things, buying a house, buying a car, doing all of that. And our, you know, minority immigrants, black people here in America, they, we actually struggle with that. And there is a large gap. So that's why I got into it, because I felt as though, you know, I am a mental health advocate. Also, money is not happiness, but one thing is a stability and maintaining and just having someone that looks like you help you and teach you and empower you. I think that's exactly like what I went in it for. <laughs> so like I had to ask Asiya, like how did a 25 year old, you know, become a CEO of a, of a, st like a startup and then become a business coach, right? Like, especially at 25. So I was like, girl, what's the tea? What's the tea? How you get here? You know, are you like this all the time? So I asked Asiya, who were who were you, who who was Asia when she was young back in the day? We know Asia now, but who was Asia back then? So I started like you know, and everyone that was in my life around that time knows like I was such a hard worker since a young age. Like I was the person until this day caring for the family, um, taking care of things, helping out, cooking the food, taking care of my siblings. Um, but during that time, I also had like, I didn't really know who I was. I was one day I was wanting to dress like I was a pump rock person. Right. And the next day is like I wanted to wear what I wanted to wear. Um, and I just had like I was saying, like a huge identity crisis around that time. In middle school, I remember we were in gym class and I was wearing my scarf like you know, the back, like you guys know the little CK scars. I think everybody knows those scars. <laughs> I was wearing one of those scars, right? And we were in the gym and we were on the little roller things, you know, the little skater roller things. And there is this boy, never forget him. And he ran and he pulled my hijab off. It was like, he just took it off and he ran with it and everybody's laughing. And I was so embarrassed, but I was like, okay, I can't cry, but I can't throw a fit. So let me just laugh with them like it was a joke, you know? But that's the day, I think it was the seventh grade. I think it was seventh grade, seventh or eighth grade. And I think that was the day that it just made it like click to me that I would, like I didn't, and that like I wasn't fully accepted even through the people that I'm going to school with, you know, like, and then that's the part, that time is when I just didn't really, I think it just started to push me away from the hijab too. Like, I just didn't want to keep it on. Like, I'm like, people are looking at me crazy. I don't want to, I, I don't want to have it on. Um, and it started at a really, really, really young age because I'm like, okay, so if this is not accepted in the society, then like, and I don't see anybody on TV, I don't see anybody that's looking like me on the stages, then I don't want to be it right that was like the part that took me taking myself back in time though I wish I could have told myself like it's okay to be who you want to be um and no one you know don't be afraid of what anybody else has to say I think that's if I could go back to 15 year old Asya 
That's what I would tell myself because I always wanted to make someone else happy. I wanted to be this person's friend because they were popular or I wanted to be, be around, watch this thing because this person was watching it. Now I could care less. Like I don't even care to be around people. I, I came into like high school, middle school with obviously, okay, who the hell am I? That's the first question you ask yourself. Okay, who am I in this space? And obviously me being the color that I am, from the, being the backer I am, I don't know why I chose to be a rocker and listen to Avril Lavigne, but that was my identity at the time. And soon after that, I left it um, and started to do any, something else. <laughs> but I, I relate to the whole, like, not knowing who you were. And and then when you find yourself in that space, too, you 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 end up becoming kind of like a people pleaser because you're like, okay, this is identity. People need to like me. If they don't, let me, let me adjust. Let me pick another identity, you know, that people like because essentially you're just trying to find somebody that accepts you right and you think that who you are is not enough and so I relate to that a lot because I spent a big portion of my life doing that roundabout and it was just very ugly very awkward and thank god there's no proof of it because I deleted all of it so Asiya told us something really interesting that when she was really struggling with her mental health at 18 um she made a huge decision to move out of her parents' home. I was 18. It was my senior year. And this is the time where I was struggling mentally at my worst. It was really, really, really bad. Um, and I just thought like, you know what? I need to be, cause you know, I have a lot of siblings. There's seven younger than me. There's three older than me. There's like, I, I was like, you know what? Let me just do what I have to do, get out of my senior year. I was missing a lot of school. My counselors would talk to me and be like, hey, Asia, like, is everything okay? At the time, I was going through a lot of health stuff um, as well. So I just wanted to really get away from the day-to-day -day life that I was living. My parents, amazing. My, like, you know, the way that they actually would be like supporting me and all of that, they knew something was wrong, but I couldn't really speak to them. It's like one of those things that you just want to make your parents happy, right? So I wanted to learn and grow within me, trying to really like get away from that, the whole environment of just living like that, right? Um, my parents, one of the best things that they told me at all times was, you know what, if it's something that feels right in your heart, do it. Like we are going to support you, even if it's not something we think it's right. If it's something you feel that it's right and you need to do, go ahead and do it. So I told them, I think like a couple of days after graduating high school, like, hey, by the way, deuces, like I'm leaving. Uh, my mom was like, what? Like, I didn't think that was serious. I said, yeah, I signed the lease. And she's like, you signed the lease. She's like, do you know what that means? You know, and she was freaking out because she's like, we're supposed to read it with you. Like, what is going on? You just decided you should be talking to your parents. Like, she thought I was some psychopathic kid. Like, she's like, you're crazy. Um, And then my dad helped me move. My dad was like, you know what? It's a choice he made. He was just like, let's just, you know, grab your bed and help you out. Ended up helping me. We ended up actually moving um into the apartment. Uh, like, you know, he helped me move everything into the apartment. And then at the time I was living with a roommate um, and it was just, yeah, it was such an eye opener um, because when you live by yourself and you don't have anybody telling you what to do, uh, you know, and my parents really were not like ever strict on me or anything. They let me do whatever. But this was like a whole nother like I don't have my mama calling me no more. Like I'm out at 11 o'clock and I'm like, OK, like I got where's my mom's call? You know what I mean? But then it really made me realize, like, you know what? 
yeah, now you have a responsibility you took from and you promised your parents the reason why you're doing these things is to grow within yourself. So the choices you make, well, you know, this is this is the life lifestyle that you're going to choose. And that's when I realized that, you know, I needed to change as a person, as a whole, that I had issues. Um, and then, you know, taking my therapy serious take and getting away from people. You know, my mom always would say, you are who you surround yourself around. And I'm like, man, this lady, she always saying you are who you surround yourself around. But it wasn't the fact of like what they do. It's exactly like the energy, um, you know, how they bring, like how they are in your life, what, what values that they bring. Um, and just surrounding yourself around good people, you'll be a good person. Um, but surrounding yourself around people who just don't have good and their energy is terrible and they're bringing you down, that's who you're going to turn into be. So I had to really, um, I had to really reevaluate all of that. And I'm like, I realized what my parents were saying this whole time after I moved, I never appreciated it until I did that. So I started to go to therapy and then I stopped going to therapy. And then I'm just like, you know what? Like, I need to really take this, take this serious because I wouldn't want to get out of bed. My house was, was uh, my house is a mess. I didn't want to pick up after myself. And then I realized that that bothers me. Like, I'm such a clean freak. I like to clean after myself. I like to do that. So like, it, it would just ruin all of my days. Um, and I just realized like, you know, the hardest thing was number one was money management to tell myself, yeah, you got bills to pay. So you can't go out today. Mm -mm, right. That was number one. And then two was really, um, my health was important, but then also I'm here by myself. Right. I realized, um, that being alone now I love being alone, but I had to learn how to be alone. That's why I started to solo travel all around the world because I needed to know that I could be by myself. And that was, I love traveling. So I said, you know what? I'm packing my bags. I'm about to solo travel all around the world by myself. Yeah, I was crazy. Um, but it was the best experience of my life. Um, I thought, you know, I, I would be afraid. And the first solo trip I took was out of the country and I went to Spain all alone. And it was the most, and I was 21 at the time, and it was the most eye-opener thing for me because I realized that the problem wasn't the fact that I couldn't be alone. The problem was I didn't want to face the reality of things that were going wrong, and I just didn't want to admit it. That was the problem. So after I was having that battle within me, it was over. I was like, as soon as I got that, it was like game over. Like, it was me versus me, okay? And guess what? I still won. So... <laughs> Yeah, that was that was the biggest thing. Um, but it's a it's a daily it's a daily thing. So, but yeah, I think um moving out, doing that, travel solo traveling, um and doing everything that I needed to do to work on myself when it came to therapy. Because at the time when I told people I was going to therapy, they were like therapy. I'm like, mm hmm. You got a problem with it? Okay. Like, <laughs> no. I made it to a point where it was okay for me to talk to people and tell them, yeah. Like, I'm actually going to therapy. And then my mom, when I told her, I didn't actually, 
I didn't really, I told my mom, yeah, like I have mental health stuff, but I never really told her that I was going to therapy until just like recently, not too long ago. She's like, but why didn't you tell me these things? And I'm like, she's like, but you seem okay. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I am okay. <laughs> but you know, kind of explaining uh, to a small mom that you're dealing with depression, anxiety, and you're having panic attacks. She'll be like, okay, well, Quran yes, I do. <laughs> so everybody knows, uh, well, everyone knows, but I personally experienced, and I know many people can relate to this, is, you know, like you go to university, you think about 100 different careers that you think you might be good at. Um, and then you go to school with this like desire to kind of find your purpose. Like, okay, this is what I'm ultimately best at. But then you start to realize, oh my God, I don't know. There's just too many candy in the candy store. There's too many options. And, and then ultimately you don't know. You've never kind of performed. So what do you know? And all you really know is, okay, maybe I might be good at this. Maybe I'm not. Like, I personally, bro, I struggled, right? Um, I'm up struggling to this very moment, especially, you know, I've just recently graduated university. And every person that graduates university goes to this phase where, like, okay, what's next? Who are you? What? Where do you want to go? But it's really hard, especially when you're, like, kind of, like, in that self-discovery phase as well. And you're still growing and, and you need that time. But it's like society wants you to figure out right now. Are you going to be a taxi driver or an engineer? <laughs> like, are you going to be an astronaut or are you going to be a nurse? Like, um, and it can be really, really confusing. That, and I think many of us, many of us know what that feels like. And I think our ultimate fear is that we're going to, you know, get a job that we kind of like, you know, stuck by a desk that, you know, doing a, a job that is just not fulfilling. And that's our ultimate biggest fear. And so we kind of hope for that moment where it's like a light bulb lights in your head. And you're like, OK, this is what I'm meant to do. This is my like this is this is what I'm I, this is my purpose. This is my purpose. Like this is this is me. And we all we're all in constant search for that light bulb, that light bulb finally happened for Asia. I think I wanted to be everything from an actor to a pilot. Like, I kid you not. Like, I, let me find out. I wanted to be one of those video vixens. I said, stop it right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm being so serious. I wanted to do, I wanted to get, I wanted to become an OBGYN at one point. Um, it was just all over the place. Like I had no career venture at all, but I always wanted to help people. That's one thing. I didn't know exactly what it was, but I wanted to be in a place where I was helping another person. So that's why when I got out of high school, I was actually, I started to become a PCA at, and that's a personal care assistant at a really young age. I was like 16 when I had my first PCA job. Um, and then I became like a direct um, service professional at like 18. And then from there, I was working two or three jobs at once. Like I was always working. Um, and then when I turned with the hours that I had, I became an MHP um, with, the, with the company I'm currently with right now, which I have not even left just yet. And I'm about to um, pretty soon. But yeah, it was just, you know, I, I like wanted to get into the mental health field. And then I realized that's when the whole entire part of like the, you know, your financial situation being your mental health thing came to me. Cause I'm like, I could work with people on their mental health and mindset 
also working with what I love. And that is, you know, building up and talking about the financial literacy part of things and building credit and helping people with business foundation. And I said, wow, that could be my own business. That was the whole ding, 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 like a light bulb came off. And I said, that's what I'm about to do. So it was all over the place. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so it was just the best things. I left college. I didn't graduate. Um, and I say that with my chest and education is key. Okay. Do y'all don't leave school. Okay. But for me, um, I went to school, went to school for human services. And then at one point in time, I, it was like 2018 about to graduate. And I was like, you know what? It's not for me. I'm not really, I'm not, it's not for me. Went, try to go back into school. And then everything just started to unfold with my entrepreneurship journey and then started to actually do self-education and like paying for mentorships and classes. And like, you know, credit is not really taught in school, um, which is which is so wild to me, um, even going. And I searched to see if there was actual like, you know, if I could go back to school and get a degree, it would it would only be a finance degree. And even in the finance degree, they don't teach you that. So it's like, okay <laughs> you know so i just decided to really do self-education and get like certified like certificates and stuff um because they don't actually have a courses for it so like nobody's really teaching it so i was like you know what then i'm about to teach myself so i taught myself <laughs> and got you know with people who are actually doing it right now asia's entrepreneurship journey began when her cousin pitched her an idea it was actually a day program with my cousin. So a day program was, um, it's like a, it was for elderly from ages 45 to like 60. And they would come to the day program during the morning time. They would stay for like eight hours. Um, and then it was just like a programming for them. They would come there. They would enjoy themselves. They would have activities, all of that stuff. Um, we actually launched that back in 2018. So I qualified to be the um, day program director. We did everything. You know, we had the staff, we um, had some staff, we had some clients, all of that stuff. The one thing was I realized in that journey that I knew that I wasn't going to do that for a long time. It's just even though like I, it went, I went through with it, I did it. It was the best thing to happen to me because I knew what I didn't want to do in a business. And that was always staying inside of my business, having just that one thing. Um, I wanted to be more of a person who can help out a ton of people. So I knew I wanted a virtual business. I didn't know how that was going to happen, but I knew I wanted a business where I didn't have to be present in person all the time. So I just didn't know if it was possible and I actually made it possible. So, so it happened in a couple of years after that. So then COVID happened. The day program closed. I told my cousin, I said, you know what? I'm taking this, the venture that I, I wanted because I was doing credit from 2018 all the way up. I just didn't want to like, you know, I was like, I learned it. I took the classes. I did everything. I was doing it for free for so long. I'm like, I am capable. I am capable. I kept doing my affirmations. I said, I am capable. And I started to actually take it serious. And then I realized it isn't 
it wasn't just me dreaming about it. All the research I've done is real. And the amount of people who actually need my services is more than I could have expected. And it's not only here in Minnesota. I work with all 50 states, including the U.S. Virgin Islands. So it's not just like people in my city or anything like that. I got hundreds of clients all over the place. And it's all because it's virtual. So it's been it's been great. You know, it's interesting. I, I have a question for you, actually. A lot of the companions during the prophet's time were business people. You know, and, and I feel like there's something to be said about people who start their own businesses um, and not to glorify <laughs> being business because that's difficult. And um, and there's something comfortable about a nine to five, to be honest, like, you know, like it's something that's just, you know, comfortable. But there's something there's there's something to be said about Muslims being a lot of being business owners. Right. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. one thing I can say is, especially for me, the reason why I wanted to be a business owner is because mm-hmm. I can't. I don't want somebody else telling me what to do with Mm -hmm. the way I want to do things, right? Mm -hmm. I need to be, if I want to take off Eid, I'm not asking for permission, (laughs) sir. Like, you know? Oh, my God. Like, I'm... (laughs) I'm really not asking for permission. Like if I if I want to take a last 10 days of Ramadan, I want to switch up my schedule. I'm switching up my schedule, sir. So that that's just a little bit um, with why I wanted to start. You know why I wanted to start it. Yeah. And, and you know, the thing is, I think that's the one of uh, some of the perks. Right. Being a business yeah. owner is that um, you don't have to answer anybody about your Islam. Right. Yeah. That you can practice it freely and confidently. And second of all, something myself being like now I've, I'm, I'm becoming a business owner, which is weird to say, um, is that I recognize that I rely a lot on Allah. I rely yeah. a lot on Allah. And the reason why that is that my exchange is not with people no more. My exchange is with mm-hmm. Allah. Taala. So yeah. meaning like when you're working, uh, when you work underneath somebody, you're exchanging with people, right? You're like, mm-hmm. okay, he needs this, the deadlines. And something I personally reflected of experience is that when you work <laughs> for an employer, bro, it, it, it feels like they're sucking the soul out of you. They want your time, your energy. They want the skin off your back, right? Yeah. And the exchange almost doesn't feel fair. Right. That's true. Um, and, and but when you're a business owner, right, you rely your success literally. And is and the crazy part, it, it is always relied on, on, on a lot, whether you worked a nine to five or you had a business. But when you work in a business, man, you're really out there on your own. And so you're constantly having this private exchange with Allah to bless your business, to make it successful. And you're counting that Allah aids you. And then he 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 he, he makes those crops bigger and bigger and bigger because it, you're betting on yourself, but you're really exchanging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're saying, Allah, please help me with this. Let me see the reaps of this fruit. You know, right now it's difficult. I'm in, I'm really in the gutter here. You know, I'm really in the dark here. I don't have the support as I would, you know, uh, the, the support of a nine to five would have gave me. But the exchange with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is so daunting to me, is that it's the exchange isn't even equal, but in the sense that Allah gives you more to you than you give to him. Because all Allah requires from you is that you pray your five, right? That you worship him only and that you 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 practice your faith sincerely. That's all Allah asks. Us. And how many times do we pray a day? Five. And how long do they take? You know what I'm saying? And like it's so minor. It's so thing. minor. Yeah, that's one thing I would like and tell to this day like is the biggest thing for me to be completely transparent was mm-hmm. praying my five prayers. 
was mm-hmm. so hard for me. I'm over here with the long nails. When was the last time I got my nails done? It, like that, it, <laughs> facts. Like I Mashallah. had to really look at myself one day and be like, damn, like you really are not. Why aren't you not praying? That mm-hmm. was another thing was spiritual growth within the time of taking care of my mental health. Forget about setting aside the business and stuff like that. But that added on to the business was, mm-hmm. you know, like start when I started, it was like 2016 when I realized like, dang, Asia, you are falling off. Like you need to get back on the pa- mm-hmm. path of like, you know, um, being a better Muslim, you know, and it took so long, like even not wearing the hijab or mm-hmm. wearing it here and there and mm-hmm. taking it off and, you know, all of that stuff. And wearing things that are inappropriate and showing off too much. And it was for me. And the thing is, I always knew that that is not some somebody or some place that I personally wanted to be. But it mm-hmm. wasn't like, you know, modesty in my eyes is different than anybody else's. And I can't speak to anybody about that. So my modesty was wearing clothes that are like, you know, pretty modest to me. And if my hair was showing, then that's modest to me. Right. And as time went on, um, you know, I, I started to change that, you know, like especially this year. I think year 2021 starting 2021 um, as soon as I think like around February mm-hmm. is when I really had like a. Uh, a serious conversation with myself is because you know I was about to get, I'm, I was getting married in March and I had this conversation with just me and I'm like okay so you've been trying to cover up I, I see that you've been doing this this and this and this what are your next goals on you know your spiritual growth when it comes to your relationship spiritually and also my hijab and mm-hmm. I'm like okay slowly but surely I'm gonna try to keep it on you know slowly mm-hmm. but sure and I didn't give myself too much you know too big of a goal i gave myself a consistent like um goal like a day-to-day goal and like you know for for some it might just be like dang she just went from covering up to not (laughs) covering up to covering up but Mm -hmm. it's like i truly could care less Mm because it has nothing to do with another person it had Mm -hmm. everything to do with me my mom my dad um my husband nobody could tell me anything if i didn't want to wear i'm not wearing it right it's Mm -hmm. my um relationship with allah and that's all that matters so like when i was and there's times now too where i struggle right and it's a Mm -hmm. struggle on a daily basis but one thing that helps me though is spiritually growing and just trusting that things are going to be okay and making dua that allah makes it easier for me and then going forward from there I don't push myself. I don't beat myself up. I don't do any of that. If the like, and I always say the journey of it is within me. And this is, I think the first time I'm even speaking about it out loud, um, is just within me. Um, and it's no one else's business. And I think that's one thing that grew me even more when it came to the spirituality, because now I have my hijab when I'm outside and it's time for Asr, and I cannot miss it because I have mm-hmm. but before it was like, Oh my God, uh it's time to pray and i ain't even got the hijab with me mm-hmm. you know so <laughs> i'm gonna go pray when i get home and then i will forget and it was just mm-hmm. it's just been um all around you know everything just connects mm-hmm. everything in my life connected in ways that i couldn't even i can't even explain because mm-hmm. it's like when you are growing developing personally then mm-hmm. everything around you that matter to you will come to play as well so yeah. that's yeah. the biggest thing yeah i think you know uh, just listening to you speak you know i i remember a conversation i had with a friend a really Mm -hmm. really dear friend of mine and she said something so 
interesting because I was going like every uh, business owner or person starting a startup will say to you, there's a lot of dark times. Okay, there's a hell of a lot of dark. I think there's more dark times. There might be light, you know, Um, and there came a moment where I was like, yo, I really need to I think I have to go back to school and 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 balance this as my until it becomes my main job. And you know what she said to me, subhanAllah? <laughs> I thought, and she's like, this person, this best friend of mine, she was, she works for the government. She mm-hmm. made six figures easy. She's wow. very well off. She takes Gosh. care of her own family, you know? Um, oh, and uh, and I'm, I'm talking to her about, you know, maybe I'm not being wise. Because, you know, she's a wise person. She's mm-hmm. she succeeded, you know, in my eyes. Mm-hmm. And you know what she said to me, subhanAllah? She said, you know what, Adar, I work the job that you're seeking after. I, I have the ninth, I have the six figures. And let me tell you something, it it's not that great, she says. Mm-hmm. Especially it's not if if it's not something you're passionate about, it, it will it will feel like you're just stuck, and and you'll be back here again. This place that you're at, you'll be back here again, um, because right. you'll recognize that the number didn't matter, you know, the exactly. the the price point didn't matter. And I was like, so what do you what do you um what do you like, what's your advice? You know what she said to me? Mm-hmm. She said, make your pursuit for rizq beautiful make your pursuit for provisions beautiful meaning she's like you're out here seeking your provisions that's already written for you so if Mm -hmm. if this provision is already guaranteed what you're going to make from from the time you were born to to the time you're going to die what you're going to acquire is written to the dollar like the the cent amount Mm -hmm. if that's already guaranteed why don't you make your experience in pursuit of that is a, a beautiful story? Meaning, yep. go through the, the fire. Make it go make a story out of it, right? Every story has a middle beginning. It's not a mundane story. Like, go through the difficulty and come out of it. Yes, you already attained it. That was a guarantee. But you got a story out of it. A beautiful mm-hmm. story of how a, a slave, you know, and his pursuit to the rizq Allah had already ordained for him. And she was like, what you're doing is so incredible. It is so beautiful. And you're going to get what you seek and what is ordained for you, whether you realize it or not. And she's like, and I remember it, it, it set me back. Well, I was like so shocked by that advice. I was like, what in the world? <laughs> who says that? You know, who says make your pursuit for your result beautiful? And then yeah. I went through this really interesting like uh, place where I started to recognize, like, okay, subhanAllah, like, everything I do is really ordained from Allah. And the only reason my startup or this business or this product I'm trying to produce is going to be successful is if Allah per- permits it to be successful. So, meaning, I rely on Him. Like, literally, nobody literally. but Him. So, guess what I started doing? I started, my mindset changed. Now, whenever yeah. I'm, wallahi, it's so crazy how this startup has changed even me spiritually. And I've gotten closer to Allah, more closer than I thought I'd ever for example, when I go to pray, I, I used to just pray because it's obligatory, right? Now I pray because I want I rush to pray on time because I know my rizq depends on it. SubhanAllah, my rizq literally depends on the timing, how, how organized and on time I pray my salah. Because the the, 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 the the more disobedient I am to Allah, the more I'm further away, the, the rigid it is for my rizq. You know what I mean? Like it's, I'm making it difficult for myself. And, 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 and the closer I get to him, the increase in the ease I'm going to acquire of that, especially in the place that I was in. And so now all of my ibadah is about, okay, I got to do this on time because I'm, I'm chasing something bigger than myself that only Allah could permit me, you know, and, and I need to prove it to him. So I'm praying on time. I'm giving charity, bro. Imagine you're starting a business, right? You want to keep all your wealth. 
I am giving away money with the with the with the with the conviction I'm gonna get ten times more. It's almost like yeah. how somebody invests in stocks. That's how I'm starting yeah. to think. Before, and I'll be honest with you, it sounds so good in theory, but when you're when your iman is high, like not, I wouldn't say my iman is high, but when your iman is to this degree, and you know that like it really depends on him, bruh, I started to just throw away. <laughs> it was crazy, but in the right way, because I knew that this is how I. This is how Allah says, this how this is how things multiply. You know, it's this way, and I was like, oh my god, I became a better Muslim, being a business owner, and I and I like peeped it and said, damn, I, I I'm not at the same level I was before this. It's crazy. And I was like, this is what the Sahabas were like. You know, like they were, they knew, like this is, who who dares, who wants to give Allah a godly loan? Who wants to give Allah a loan? You know, who, they always like, who wants to give him a loan? Who wants to give to me? And then I will give you more. And it's a constant practice of tawakkul, trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's just, and that's, that's the thing that a lot of us are, are, are like, especially me, because I have anxiety too. And it, everything for me has to do with the future and am I making the right call and am I, you know, setting up for my demise. In reality, the only solution for anxiety is trust in Allah SWT, like conviction. That's the only You know, remedy. one thing, one thing that I do have to mention with that too, because I still, you know, I have this huge, like I randomly will have panic attacks, right? Um, my recent panic attack, and this is crazy because I never spoke about my panic attacks out loud, was just recently, like a couple of weeks ago. And I can't tell you what it is. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know anything. But one thing that I did do was parked my car. I was in my car when I had the panic attack. And I just kept making dua the whole time, listening to some Quran, and it calmed me down. Everybody's different, right? Everybody has different things. But then I came to realize that, like, you know, one of the things that does calm me, um, it is the Quran. And um, but then before it wasn't something that I that I even like, you know, not saying that I never listened to it, which I always have. But it wasn't something I actually was taking, you know, serious, if you could say, like, I wasn't really like listening to it all the time. It was, you know, and for me, it was like, alhamdulillah for being by myself for my business because if it was not for that I don't think I would realize how much of like because you know my mom always says and I say this every day is whatever Allah writes for us you know it's meant for us so right um and I say that consistently every day I remind myself those are one of my affirmations like Whatever God has written for you, it will be for you. If it's not written for you, it won't come to you. If it's like under those those huge mountains, guess what? And you, it was meant for you, it'll come. But if it's right in front of you, like the piece of paper that's right in front of you, you could never reach it. And I had to remind myself that because sometimes I would ask myself, why is this not happening for me? Um, because it wasn't written for you, ma'am. <laughs> you know, but I had, to, I had to let myself know that. Uh, and it took a long time. But, and you know, now I'm just like, alhamdulillah though for all the experiences and um, the spiritual growth, alhamdulillah, that I am going through now, because it's, and I always say this, just because I'm, I'm going through it, it's a process. I don't respond to anybody because of mm -hmm. it. Like mm -hmm. when people ask me questions, like some people will DM me like, oh yeah, but do you wear the hijab or do you not wear the hijab? Well, oh my God. do you know how to mind your business or do you not know how to mind your business? Let me know. Why, what, is with <laughs> people, uh, what is with people policing? people's <laughs> progress that's what i just don't think I just, where I just do you understand. where do you think that she answers to you like where like I you just, know how incredibly 
um, entitled you have to be for you to think right. she owes you an answer as if right. she wears a hijab for you that is borderline well, it's just they need so to fear crazy. Allah in the last day Ugh, it they just, me. and you know one thing though I laugh and I make it a joke and I actually some of them I'd be sending them voice notes like but I mean do you what what you focused on because I don't think you're focused on yourself sir like and it always has to be the men I don't know why because I don't, I, I, it, I don't I don't want to even go down that rabbit hole because if I start <laughs> I see it if I start and, and I just we're I just not have leaving to, the I just studio. have to I just have to mention that because it's Mm-mm. like you know Mm-mm. and then this is another thing that I did want to mention it's like for those girls right who are listening who are um you know, really struggling with that. You see me, I'm a normal girl, mm-hmm. you know, who is doing what she has to do. But then also, I'm not letting anybody stop me from my own growth. So if you feel like one mm-hmm. day you are really trying to wear the hijab and it's mm-hmm. something that you're really trying to do, but you're not 100%, try to wear it. Try to do mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. guess what? It'll, it might just come to you. For mm-hmm. me, there's times that I, I don't wear it, right? But like I'm trying every day. But mm-hmm. as I keep doing it, guess what? It's becoming more and more mm-hmm. and more yeah. and more. And it's yeah. something that I just do not want to stop doing now. Mm-hmm. I made a commitment to myself and I said to myself, you know what, Asia? Every day that you're trying, right, to go outside, take your mm-hmm. hijab with you. That's now mm-hmm. like when I open the door That's before it would starts. be like it was nothing. And I, I told <laughs> myself like now when you're going to the mailbox downstairs, you know, go and wear your hijab because it's going to mm-hmm. teach you. But I had to get myself there. So don't feel like you're behind or you are, you know, you less worthy of a Muslim yeah. woman yeah. just because because you're not you're you're going to get there. And if you feel like and and another thing, if I wear my hijab a certain way because I get this, too, you know, oh, my God, that's not the right way. What is the right way, sir? Like, I'm going to need y'all to leave it alone. OK, so if you are doing that and you are, um, you know, really trying to get to that point, do what you got to do to make yourself spiritually get to where you need to be and do not answer to anybody because not it's not a single person business but you okay yeah so i mean I, at I the end of the day you get accounted alone <laughs> right yep. you get accounted alone yeah. and you answer to allah and so and you know the thing is for me something that helped me about hijab was when i started to pray bruh it, hijab became easy so like I, if I would encourage somebody to say, oh, Adar, I, I want my hijab to be easy, what advice would you give me to make it? I would say, is your salah crisp? You know how, like, when you iron a shati, it's crisp? Is your salah crisp? Is it clean? Is it done Is it done on time? I promise you, if if you keep on that road, hijab, like, easy. It's going to be like water. It's going to be so, it's like water. You know, and... um. I oftentimes I think people find a lot of these other stuff difficult to do because they're not doing the foundation, right? The foundation is the shahada. Like we did the five pillars, the shahada, then it's the salah, you know? And so these these foundations are important because just like you would go to school and you have to take prerequisites before a class, you know what I mean? It's like that. You need to you need to have the knowledge in order to strengthen your iman and so you can do these all of these things that you want to do. So I would always say, bruh, perfect your salah. Don't worry about the hijab. The hijab will come. You know, just perfect the hijab. Get to know Allah SWT. You know, understand his oneness. Understand his power. Understand his compassion. Um, understand the sunnah. Understand the prophet and his story. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And all of those things will come like like water. Like it just falls into place, you know. And, it's a, and it, remember, it's a journey. 
that doesn't end until the day you die. And so just give yourself a chance. That's always say, just give yourself a chance. You know, you never know. Well, you never know. Like today you're saying, I don't know how I'm going to look at it. And tomorrow you're like, mm, that looks somewhat pretty. Mm, oh, this is comfortable. Ooh, like this guy. Like, and then it just becomes a ramble. And all of a sudden you're, you're in here five years, you know? And so it just starts with sincere intention. And, and you got mm-hmm. it. You know, and I, I, again, you yeah. don't answer to nobody. Don't let nobody police you. You know, no, you answer to Allah. I remember one sister um, who was deeply impacted by an episode. Um, and she messaged us and she was so candid. And she said to me, Adar, I don't know you. I don't know you. And she and the guest and this was I remember Hilal's episode. And she's like. I just want to tell you guys that you guys saved my life. And I literally was like, what is, what? We did what? She's like, no, you guys saved my life. Honestly. Like, truly. I was going to make the wrong call. Um, But when I, I listened to your episode, I remembered. And I am working through it. And I was like, I was so, I was so touched. I started crying. <laughs> like, I, and, and this girl's like messaging, sitting on, I'm literally sob- sobbing, like sobbing. And I was sobbing on our, my way to the studio, right? And at this point, we're like, you know, tired. And I'm just going there, you know, trying to do my job. And just to hear that gave me a type of motivation I cannot explain. And that's the day I realized what we're doing, what this podcast is about like I can't just stop here. I, I don't think I could just just say, "Oh, I'm I'm tired. I'm I'm calling it a day." Now I feel like this is a responsibility. This is a huge responsibility, and I can't just drop the ball on this. I have to work harder than I've ever before. This is no longer just about me. This is about all of us. Asia had a similar moment for the growth conference. I'm not even gonna lie. I had everything prepped out like the month prior to thinking I'm going to go get my hair done, like everything. And then there is a girl who messaged me who said, seeing a girl like you that looks like you, who is me pretty much, and you are doing everything that I aspire to be, you know, as I get older, she's like 15, 16. She's like sophomore in high school. Um, And she was like, just seeing that. And I know it's possible look at you you know you inspire me every single day and that was the first one and she's like you know i struggle with the hijab all the time but seeing you you know wearing it on your lives and all of that stuff really inspired me to know that i can do it that's the second i said i am not doing my hair i'm not doing anything i'm about to be on that stage giving the speech doing everything with my dress and my hijab on because it wasn't just for myself at this point it's for all those girls that are just like her, who that was me at the time, not, you know, not realizing that, um, you know, it was me at the time when I was that age where I didn't realize I didn't have anybody to look up to. I didn't have no one that looked like me on the stages. And I said, I see those people who you were trying to look for. It turned into you. So you need to give the example to those who are looking at you as well because that's going to be the reason why they do what they're doing especially when they see someone who looks like them doing it 
I'm super transparent. I don't got to be the perfect, perfect person in the world. But they see, guess what, though? You could be this as well. You don't have to be anything else. You could literally become a female entrepreneur that's Somali, that's Muslim, that's on the stages, that's going to doing conferences, that's doing whatever. You can do it. Just set your mind to anything. And I can guarantee you, you could do it. It just takes that one set, like you believing it. That's it. So after that day, I said, I don't care. Forget about the hair. I canceled that. I said, Mm-mm. nope, it's not going to happen. Then there was another girl that came up to me at the conference and she was from Arizona and she traveled to Minnesota. She's uh, the first time she flew. So she came to America four years ago. She flew from um, Arizona to Minnesota. First time she was on the plane since she came to America. And she said the reason why she came was because of my lives and how inspirational I am and the fact that I motivate her to go chase after her dreams every single day. And I went home and I cried, okay? I did not tell that to anybody, but I cried because somebody traveled all those mi- thousands of miles just to come be somewhere with me, get VIP to come and have dinner and to really, you know, start up, do whatever she got to do for her business, all because of me just going on live and talking to the people. This is all that I've been working for and it's and it's happening. And I didn't even realize that it was happening and how much lives I've been impacting until all the Hoyos, you know, mothers buying homes telling me that, you know, you really, you really changed my life. Like you changed my child's life. You changed this. And then helping those who are dealing with, you know, younger women, older women, just like everything. And I'm just like, Yo, my work is really out here. Alhamdulillah and mashallah that, you know, it's really doing this for the people. And, you know, all of those thoughts that I was having before, I say, cut it out. I don't want to hear it no more, you know, so. Pause, everyone. Listen to my voice. Asia is about to drop some crazy gems right now. I need you to get out your books. I need you to get out your pens. I need you to have a desk, right, or something. And I need you to write this down because this might change your life. Competing and comparing. Those were my two pitfalls. I always compared myself to someone on social media um, that was pretty much doing what I was doing. Um, and it was just a comparison like, oh, my God, how are they getting these clients? What, why are, how are they doing this? How are they doing that? And I noticed as a natural human instinct to do that crap. But I had to get out of that because I realized that the way I'm doing my business and how I am as a person and who I am serving and what I am doing, it takes time and comparison and trying to compare myself to someone else. Nobody is me, nor am I someone else. So how am I comparing? It's like you're trying to compete where you do not compare. And nobody can compete with me because they don't compare to me, just like I would not compare to anybody else, right? So that was my biggest problem. And I realized because my first, first ever company for my credit repair was Fundamental Quality Credit Repair, and I revamped the whole entire thing. So I did that, and then I realized the reason why it's not succeeding, it isn't because of me. It, it is because of me, but it's because I'm not like growing the business in itself. I'm not building its own brand for the business. I'm not building me as a brand. I'm kind of just going based off of what I see and all that stuff. So I need to genuinely be happy and grow within myself to grow the type of brand I want my business to represent. 
And that's not going to be just like anybody else because I'm different. And I had to recognize that. And it took a while. So I had to really audit my life. So everyone that is listening, right? What I want you to do right now is take your phone. And after this, listening to this, look at your phone and audit the last 48 hours. Who did you talk to? If that person added value to you, okay, great. That person is someone that you, you know, you can conversate with, grow with and stuff. But a person, see those who did not add value to you. What did you guys discuss? So I always say, is this person growing you or is this person holding you back? Is this relationship sustaining you or is it draining you? So you have to know exactly what it was. As soon as I started to do that, my whole life changed. My business changed. Everything changed. And I started to surround myself around people who, you know, really added to me as a person, who fed my soul, who, you know, um, those I used to stay away from because um, astaghfirullah to even say this, because I used to stay away from people who would always remind me, like, I say, you need to pray. Like, what's going on? Those are the people now that I love to be around, you know, like the friends that I used to always push away are that used to remind me all the time are, are those that now um, I talk to on a daily basis, too. Um, and then I surrounded myself and that's just like personal. Right. But then I started to notice, especially getting into business, you will lose so much people in your life because this is a problem too, because people think you are changing up. Yeah, I am changing and I'm changing for the better. So it's like people will see you and they'll be like, oh, she's just switching up. Yeah, you do have, I'm not switching up. I'm changing as a person and me changing as a person. And if you're not okay with that, then that's take take that up with Allah that's not me you know don't take that up with me I'm just doing what I have to do to grow as a person and inshallah you know like where I want to be is where I want to be and if people take took that to heart there's some that did and I'm like cool like I'm cool with that I don't really care I don't fixate on relationships like that no more if it's not sustaining me it's draining me it gotta go that's the that's the model that I'm at at this point and um and then I sur surrounded myself around like I ended up getting mentors um that are, you know, that really resonated with the goals I had in mind. Um, and, you know, surrounding myself around going to conferences, being around people who are doing what I'm doing, um, and then really supporting each other. So we have group chats and stuff like that. So really networking with other people who have similar goals as me. But then again, you know, it drives them. And, you know, what is crazy that a lot of the people who are like professionally surrounded around me, they're not Muslim, right? But one thing I realized that we're all similar is that, you know, even though like they they believe and they have their religion and everything, they always look up, they always look back to God. And I'm just like, is this an everybody thing, you know, where people become, no, I'm being so serious. And I had to take it back like, dang, we all are in our spiritual growth. And it's like a thing with everybody that I'm around, even if they're like a different religion. And I respect all religions, right? Um, and that's, and to each their own on what, what you are and what you want to believe in. But everybody that I start, that I was surrounded, but I see, you got to believe in God. Okay. Like God will be there for you is what I hear. And I'm just like, I know Allah's my, on my side all the time. Inshallah khair, you know, Alhamdulillah. Like, but that's what I would hear all the time. So I just had to be around those who grew me, didn't drain me and sustained me. That was who. So audit people out of your life on a consistent basis, just like the way I've been doing my social media. Every time I see something that I just do not, mm, it don't resonate with me. Bye. 
ain't a no hard feelings. It's just kind of like I'm just, you know, on a different path in life. And inshallah, it'll it'll get there, you know. So that's that's a little bit, you know what I mean? So listen, y'all. You heard what you heard. It's fourteen forty-three. Right? It's time to get our lives. It's time to get our money straight, our credit at a good standing. It's time for our money, you know, to work with us, not against us, right? That was so last year. And so if you're looking, you know, interesting to, you know, get yourself together, interested in doing a a business, get your credit together. Contact Asia. I feel like doing that commercial. What's that commercial called? Um, one eight hundred. You know, you're you're ruining your life. You're sitting on a couch, and life is passing you by. All my Toronto people know that commercial. But basically, get your life. Contact Asia. Join our boot camps. Ask her for consultation. She got you. So go on over to Premier Starter, um, and yeah, contact her there. You know, this year it's, it's gonna be a new you. It's going to be a new you. So thank you. Thank you to Asia for joining us today and motivating us. I'm super excited. Ready to go home. Do some affirmations. Write my list. Get my mind right. You know what I'm saying? Okay. <clears throat> Who's ready? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. So you, you have to say the affirmations with me though. Okay, Ada? Okay. Okay. I'll say it with you. I'm okay. Excited. Perfect. I am resilient. I am resilient. I am successful. I am successful. I am bright. I am bright. I am going to be everything I need to be. I'm going to be everything I need to be. I am powerful. I am powerful. I am open to new ventures. I'm open to new adventures. <laughs> I am going to be I'm going to be a success story inshallah. I'm going to be a success story inshallah. I am going to be a better muslim. I am going to be a better muslim. Yep. Wow. That is my affirmations on a daily basis. This episode is brought to you by Beautiful Light Studios. I love to give a shout out to my girl, Mona Sheikh Omar. Boom. You already know. She's our produce extraordinaire. She got it like that. Giving us fire episodes. Thank you, Mona. Um, and uh, yeah, you guys, I don't know if you guys know. But our merch been out, okay? If you don't have a sticker on your laptop, you don't get a mug, how dare you not get our TDS mug? We're beefing. If you don't got our tote bags, are you really part of the TDS gang? Are you really? How? Come on, sis. I like to see you support your wear. So head on to our website at www.thedigitalsisterhood.com. Check out our shop and get, get, you, get you a sport, get you a tote bag, get you a mug, all that. Love to see it. Um, also, if you're into really supporting us, because we need support, you get me, um, is join our, our Patreon membership. Join our Patreon membership. Become a cousin, you know, a, a, a real family member. Support this cause. If you cannot imagine a world without a Digital Sisterhood podcast episode on a Friday, okay, then how are you not on Patreon? Please, I'm going to give you a moment to think about that. Are you thinking? You better. Because this is unacceptable. Every single one of you in the TDS family that po that listens, and I know there's a lot of y'all out there, all of y'all need to be a Patreon member. Let me know the love is real. Let us know that these episodes are important to you. Show out. Uh, are you on Patreon? Are you on Patreon, brother? Oh, and this is a great time for you to start. And our first one, because <laughs> now we're, we're bullying the skin, <laughs> Jonathan. But listen, 
Okay, if you're a god in the last day, guys, you guys can you guys can be a matron for even 36 cents. Come on, just show us the party. Just show us that you care. Everybody kind of know that somebody cares about them, right? And as usual, you guys, that's it. I will see you next Friday in your ears, in your speakers, telling you a good story. <laughs>